Blog Talk Radio. It's May 20, 2018. Hello and work, welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown. We have several guests. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. As everyone knows, we had a tragedy shooting yet again at a school in our country, Santa Fe. Ten people were killed. Team Working for a Living sends out condolences to all who mourn. To all who mourn. And for those who have passed and for their friends, family, co-workers, peers, student peers, we'd like to honor a moment of silence, please. Thank you very much. This needs to stop in our great nation. It needs to just stop. I I brought Jeff on a little early, and before we even get into announcements, I want to address violence in our union and in our country. And Jeff is here on the side, and I'm going to ask Jeff. Jeff, does team working for a living support violence in any way? No, sir, we do not. Have we actually distanced ourselves from violent acts and threats in the past? Yes, sir, we have. We left another show, didn't we? Yes, we did. And the reason for that, Jeff, as you recall? Uh, somebody promoting violence. Okay. So we have a, a, I'll just let you off the hook there, uh, Jeff. We have a long history of opposing violence and upholding the United Auto Workers Constitution that says we are obligated all of us, to ensure an educated and dignified membership. Anybody, anybody who doesn't do that is already in violation of the United Auto Workers Constitution. I want everybody to think about that as these next 20 one and a half days until the convention unfolds. We want you to keep that in mind, that the United Auto Workers Constitution requires us to promote an educated and dignified membership. And all those who don't violate Article 2 of the UAW Constitution. 
want you to keep that in mind as you talk to your delegates about who you want to represent you. This violence that we saw this past week needs to end. Not only in our union, but our country needs to become educated and dignified. Our leaders must stop promoting violence and dog whistles to those who do such things. That said, let's get on to the announcements. There's a lot of important things before us. So, uh, announcement number one. Uh, congratulations to Brother David Green, who earlier today was installed as president of Local Union 1112 at Lordstown, Ohio. In President David Green, the membership has chosen a great leader who has the best interest of our UAW membership. Brother, really, thank congratulations. Congratulations. Um, yesterday, in announcement number two, Yesterday was November 19th, and that was Armed, Armed Forces Day, I'm sorry, uh, celebrated annually on the third Sunday of May. It is a day to pay tribute to men and women uh, of the United States Armed Forces. I'm getting a lot of pings here. I'm going to have to turn this down a little bit. Pardon me, Pardon me for a second. There we go. Uh, so, uh, and, uh, you know, we... We support and honor our uh, men and women of the United States Armed Forces uh, and to all of our veterans who served before them. And, of course, we'll have that again next week. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about what kind of show we should have next week. We will have some sort of abbreviated show so that everybody knows in honor of our veterans uh, and a and, uh, special tribute to a past president of the UAW. Just know that uh, right out of the chute. Announcement number three, uh, the UAW continues to support Medicare for everyone in the United States. Announcement number four, we reiterate that the workers at a moving company, two men in a truck based in Lansing, Michigan, uh, are having a drive to join the Teamsters. We wish you best of luck in this endeavor. Uh, hopefully that's going to be coming up pretty soon for them. Should have uh, success, and maybe we can have their uh, unit representative on the show. We'll try and do that. Announcement number five, unless other people in the interview try not to stop it. <laughs> that does happen from time to time. Announcement number five, Team Working for a Living continues to support amending the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1937 to include overtime for all hours worked over 40 hours, and this is the change at any job. So if you got three jobs, if this were to be changed, you get overtime any any hours you worked over 40 hours. We think that's even better than raising the minimum wage. That's why we discussed it and like to see that. Of course, we don't oppose raising the minimum wage, but adding this in there uh, would be good as well. Uh, announcement number six, in 1954, Mississippi enacted the right-to-work law. Sixty-four years later, 
Mississippi ranks first in poverty, 49th in health care, 50th in economic growth, and 50th in opportunity. Team working for a living opposes right to work and opposes any and all who support it. If you don't have a union and you're in an at-will state, the corporation or company can come up to you and fire you for no reason whatsoever. Without cause, they can fire you. If you have a union, a member of a union, and it has a good contract, any contract for that matter, they must do it for cause. They can't just walk up to you and discharge you. If for no other reason, you should belong to a union. I'll quote Michigan State University George Perlis was asked about his contract. He asked the young reporter from the Lansing State Journal, do you have a contract, personal contract? He said, no. Do you belong to a union that has a contract that protects you? The young reporter said, no. Renowned coach George Perlis of Michigan State football and later the athletic director, looked at him and said, you're a fool. Okay, so keep that in mind. You might see that once we ascend to leadership as a commercial for the betterment of our union when we try to organize. Okay, announcement number seven. Ford Motor Company plans to restart the production for the F-Series Super Duty trucks at Kentucky Truck Plant in Louisville, and they're going to do that tomorrow, the 21st. Announcement number eight, UPS proposes a 70-hour week. Yet again, this is the second or third time they've been trying to do this, and we didn't have announcements last week, so we're catching up a couple of these. Number nine, Harley-Davidson is closing its Kansas City factory and moving the work to Thailand once renowned U.S.-made motorcycle company is abandoning its workers. Team working for a living, this is announcement number 10, supports the UAW Constitution Article 13, Section 22, that limits work permits for temporary workers to no more than three consecutive months effectively requiring all UAW membership the first day of the fourth month in which you, a temporary uh, works, it's changed into uh, regular union status and no longer temporary. We're pursuing that. A long discussion today with one of our incoming leaders and on how best to do that. Very long conversation. And uh, it's good for the membership, not for the company. Okay. Uh, we'll get into emails here real quick, and then we get on with the rest of the show here. First one, thank you for your show. Um, 
about uh, health care uh, when it's under the control of the corporations. There were many uh, emails regarding that. Last week, uh, the abbreviated show on Mother's Day covered the uh, uh, notion that health care be under the corp uh, auspices of the corporation, and that's uh, because of the recent decision in uh, precedent-setting decision in the Honeywell case that uh, health care is now uh, only good until the last collective bargaining agreement, CBA. Once the CBA ex uh, expires or if they write health care for retirees out of the CBA, you lose health care. Thus, the VEBA trust that I opposed for so many years with this latest decision, I've now taken a new stance, and we need to support the need, but it does need some changes, and the team is on board with that, I believe. Uh, that's our email number two. Uh, I don't care if the dues are two and a half hours or two hours, just get these jobs loosened up, and that came in from Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Missouri, and Kansas. We've heard a little bit about the dues, and this last week or so. so. Three, please explain, explain more about the pension, pension funding levels. Many wrote that in. I'll cover that in my report later in the show. Uh, four, at this time, how can we help, we, we members help this group? I come in from a lot of people. Uh, the delegates have already been elected, so you can't run for delegate anymore. Uh, but you can go talk to delegates and tell them that change is required in our union and uh, you support Team Working for a Living and ask them to support them or support us. So uh, thank you uh, for that, uh, those emails uh, coming from many people. Uh, now, answer number five, oh, well, <laughs> or this email number five. Leroy, we saw a post that you, you, or I saw a post that you are, said that you are quite spiritual. Can you tell me more about that? Well. I'm, I'm pretty private about such matters because I think it's, first of all, personal relationship with whoever your greater power is, higher power. Uh, I'm a Christian, so I believe in the Trinity. Uh, I do not impose my religion on anybody else. Uh, I believe this was this uh, article or the post on Facebook was made by a friend of mine, a dear friend, who's had many meals at a table with me, and of course he knows that uh, I reserve the right to pray in front of anybody for the meal that I'm given. Uh, I uh, attend church. I was an officer in a church at one time. I grew up Methodist. I was a Christian Reformed, very uh, conservative religion. I was an officer in that religion. Uh, when I divorced, uh, I left that church, and uh, I attend different churches now. I don't attend every day, but I do attend, but I don't attend the same church twice in a row. That's a personal pref preference of mine. Uh, I like to see all of the religions. I go to uh, Muslim churches. I go to Vietnamese churches. My, my previous secretary, when I was party chair, uh, was a pianist for the Vietnamese church, so I attended uh, to listen to her play and to re receive their message. Uh, I uh, go to African-American churches. 
and all denominations of Christianity. And I, like I said, I go to different places, uh, Unitarian churches from time to time. I believe that the message, by and large, is the same, and we all need to get along. And that's my thoughts on religion. Uh, get into that too much more than that. Some of you know from last week that I sometimes go and um, work in, well, I, my office is in the ghetto, so I work to help that area, this area where the office is I'm at right now. Um, uh, sometimes I go to places uh, on the Internet and other places that uh, some really bad things go on, and I work to uh, end human trafficking and sex and labor slavery. So that coincides with my religious beliefs. There's very few people now that knew that. Now you all do. Uh, so, And there's groups that I work with to attempt to prevent those things. Having said that, um, thank you for the question. Uh, number, uh, email number six, is your group aware of the MOU and COA affecting Lake Orion and Lordstown, and if so, what can be done? MOU is a uh, memorandum of understanding. Typically, that's uh, negotiated by the chairperson of a local union, and then that is passed at membership meeting. It's not a vote of the entire membership, but that's affirmed or agreed to by vote at the uh, general membership meeting, usually presented to the executive board first. As a party to several MOUs, uh, I didn't negotiate them, obviously, because uh, I was never elected to the bargaining committee, although I function as a bargaining committee rep. Uh, but as the recording secretary, I was a party to seeing that that was done properly in my local union that I was recording secretary at. And it was, again, brought to the executive board. And then I read the full MOU out for the membership's vote. And that was my job as recording secretary, and I did that several times. The COA, uh, Competitive Operating Agreement, we're aware of those. Um, we've been in communication with some people. Uh, and it's best not to say out loud exactly what could be done, but there are people that, have, that are in communication with us uh, so that you know. All right, let's hope that answers. That came in from Michigan. Um, and and uh, email number seven, uh, once this team is elected, what will be your first order of business? And that came in from a lot of people. They're wanting to know what we're going to do when we get elected. Well, the first order of business is to thank you to membership and to assure all of you that tomorrow is a great day for our union and that we will be successful in your request, the membership's quest, forever higher wages and ever lower hours as required by our UAW Constitution. That will be the first thing that we do. I believe there's not a member of the team 
that would tell you any different. Okay. Thank you for all the email writers. Um, the this week's definition: CBA equals a collective bargaining agreement. Okay. Um, I had a quote, but I didn't put it down in my notes here, so we'll just go on to the rest here, and we'll bring on Jeff for now. Jeff, how are you doing this week? I know I brought you in a little bit early on that other issue, but uh, uh, how are you doing, buddy? Oh, a little rough this weekend, you're right, but I'm surviving. How are okay. you? Okay. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, we had a... A lot of stuff go on this week. We had a couple of meetings with some real cool people. I uh, Friday morning, uh, as you know, we're uh, we're operating as if we're going to be taking over our union. So we're not just talking loud and saying nothing. We're actually going out there and setting some things up as we move forward. But I had the opportunity to meet with a PhD from uh, Michigan State University, and uh, of course uh, earlier in the week. Uh, the former commerce director for the United States, Penny, and I can't remember Penny's last name for the life of me, but she said the foremost issue facing our country is the transition between the age of manufacturing, because we had the agricultural, the age of you know, uh, agriculture before the industrial age. And as we move from the industrial age in, to the next age, and this is not even defined yet. They don't really have a name for it. Uh, it's the foremost issue facing our country, and obviously, as auto workers, our union and all of our members. So rather than sit on our thumbs and talk loud and say nothing, we're out there trying to make something happen. Uh, and we are committed to setting up a task force once we ascend to leadership and I have a commitment from a local judge. And Friday, I sat and talked for three hours in the morning early with a PhD who is um, associate professor at Michigan State University who has agreed because he teaches what's called deep learning and artificial intelligence. This is a man that's on the cutting edge, and I got to tell you. I got a couple of calls after that meeting, and uh, they, the members that called me will tell you that I was in brain overload because I'm not somebody that gets overloaded that often. But uh, and it, while not overwhelming, uh, it makes your head hurt listening to all the stuff that's going on in our future. And... This man has agreed to be on the task force. So this task force is very important for the success of our union and all of our members and for the direction that we are compelled to provide you so that you may make the very best decisions for your life as you move forward during the transition from the industrial age and some would say the digital or crystalline age. And he had no definition yet. So that's my week. Uh, so it's been kind of busy around here with several other meetings as well. I won't get in and bore everybody, but a lot of stuff going on, and we're looking forward to really representing the members in your best interest. Okay? 
and doing that with some of the best people in the country because this man that I spoke with is bringing in for his own council, his department head, and others in the in the community in which he operates. So uh, this isn't just going to be the people at the table on this task force. There will be others there, too. This is the foremost issue facing our nation and our union, and our current UAW has done nothing for you on this matter. Zero. And we're already working on it. Okay? So I'll bring Jeff in on this constitutional um, report. Please, Jeff. Uh, you're on, oh, we're on Article 16. It's very, very long, and I know we have some guests that want to speak. So I'm just going to do um, Section 1, and then we'll stop for the night on the Constitution series. Okay. Article 16 is Initiation Fees and Dues. Section 1A, each new member will pay an initiation fee, no part of which shall be considered as a local union fine of not less than $10 and not more than $50 for membership in a local union of the International Union from the initiation fee paid by each member. $5 shall be set aside in the local union's new member orientation fund to be expanded with the approval of the regional director and $1 one dollar will be forwarded to International Secretary Treasurer. Uh, 1B, the local union may increase its initiation fee within the limits set forth by paragraph A of this section in accordance with the procedures of Article 47, Section 1. Uh, 1C, men and women requiring or returning from service in the armed, armed forces of the United States shall be exempt from payment of any initiation fee upon presentation of military discharge papers to the local union financial secretary. And my screen just went black. Let me see. There we go. Uh, within one year of their discharge. That's section one, Leroy. Now, I okay. gotta tell you, yeah. when I entered the UAW, I did not pay an initiation fee. Neither did anybody in my plant that got hired in after it was built. Um, I don't know what they're doing nowadays, but 30 years ago, because we were a brand new plant, um, we do not have to pay an initiation fee. So, okay. Uh, I, 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 I paid them. I remember paying them uh, in 19, mm -hmm. a long time ago. <laughs> when I hired in, you know, I hired in the plant where the sit-down strike took place. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I paid them when I hired in. So, I, you know. Um, so... Uh, is are you is that enough for you tonight? There, you finished up with your report. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, well, we have another visitor, uh, special guest as part of the team, and we're going to bring him on. Uh, uh, I believe this is Dennis Voitko. Welcome to the show, Dennis. Hi, Leroy. How are you? 
we're good. Jeff's here too. You might want to say hi to him. <laughs> hey, Jeff. Hi, Dennis. Sorry. How are you? There you go. All I'm good. good. Uh, Dennis is a, a member of our leadership team. Uh, we decided to begin to uh, introduce some of the leadership. If they choose to uh, give their uh, position, there's a lot of for that's fine, or just uh, uh, just want to be uh, introduced as a member of our leadership team and, and will be part of the incoming team when we uh, ascend to leadership. So you can say what spot you're in or just leave it as a leader uh, any way you want, Dennis. And I know you have some things you want to say and introduce yourself to the, all the listeners and some things you want to say to them. So I'll let that uh, just be in your, your hands until you turn it back to me. How's that? That's fine, Leroy. Um, yeah, my name is Dennis Boyko. I'm out of Lordstown, Ohio, GM facility. Um, I'm uh, slated to be international um, secretary treasurer. You go on uh, the website and, and see my qualifications. I don't really want to uh, go through any of that or any of the things that Leroy has already uh, said because um, we've all talked about that together and, and I'm in total agreement with everything that Leroy uh, put out there about our plank. The one thing I do want to say is that I hope everybody knows, you know, what's at stake here um, in this next constitutional convention election. You know, uh, one of the reasons I, I came on board with working for a living is because they're um, the only organization, Leroy and, and Jeff, that it, that it um, talked about the things that are really important to get us back to the uh, core values of, of the UAW, um, adhering to the Constitution, um, the labor ethos, all that stuff. So I just want to make sure everybody knows what's at stake here. You know, we can either go down this road of doing the same thing that we've been doing for the last 30-some years for four more years and get the same results, giving away jobs, uh, adhering to whatever the, the corporations are, are asking us to do. Uh, one, there was a, uh, a labor professor down at Youngstown State University came out with a uh, something back in 1984 that said that GM... Uh, it was Ruth, a GM Russo memo. was his name, right? Was it John yep. Russo, right? Yep. Yep, yep, and the memo was uh, killing jobs by cooperation. The UAW knew about that way back when, and everything that, that was in that uh, essay is, is coming to fruition today, everything. Tier 2 wages, all the things that we want to change, that working for a living, getting back to the, like I said, the core values of uh, the UAW. Um, I was talking to a guy that I respect, a great deal. He's a gentleman and a scholar, and, and he brought up the analogy of um, a house. So you know the the, uh, the architectural plan was good. You know uh, the the foundation was laid solid. The building was built um, great, but the people that we've uh, entrusted with its maintenance have have failed and. You know, the building, the options are, do you want to destroy the building, blow it down? No. 
There's a group that wants to do that. Do you want to just paint it and go on? Well, that's the Ruther Caucus. No, we know how that works out. But do you want to go in there and, and make positive changes? Uh, you know, it, it's going to take a lot of hard work. We all know that. But either, we can either sit on the sidelines and just accept what's happening or this labor union. The, the labor in general in this country, or we get out there and work to change it. We, you know, we need to pressure our uh, delegates, uh, encourage, let me say encourage our delegates uh, to, to look into working for a living and look what we stand for other than uh, the Ruther Caucus who just wants to keep it the same way and that hasn't been working out. Or there's other groups out there that want to blow it all to the ground. We all know that that's not necessary either, but the uh, UAW had a good uh, planner. We've had good builders. Foundation strong. We just need to get in there and get back to the core values of what labor is about in this country. That's it, Leroy. Okay, Dennis. Well, um, so that everybody knows, uh, Dennis Voiko is a highly qualified brother who's served. 10 years, four terms, in his capacity as financial secretary treasurer. He's well experienced in doing all of that for his local union. And this is a team member that you can have a lot of faith in in doing the right thing. You know, we, we talk about these LETCs where they're being paid extra money. Under the leadership, team working for living and Dennis Voiko working with Leroy McKnight at the very top, we will end payments from LETCs to any executive officers over and above their compensation that's authorized by you, the members, by and through the UAW Constitution. And they're not going to like us, and they're coming after us with everything they got, because this is upwards of $30,000 or more that's been doled out in the past. And it's beyond our capacity to know if it's still going on. But I'll tell you this, Dennis, am I correct? And we're going to stop that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the corruption's insane. It's just crazy that... It reminds me of our federal government. You know, these people are just out to enrich themselves. They're not out to look out for the best interests of the people who, who elect them. Correct. I, we talked last week a little bit about the eight cycles of democracy, and the latter part of the seventh one is where they realize they can uh, vote themselves monies and pass monies yeah. buying through bills and uh, expenditures through Congress and uh, state and local governments, and we see that a plenty, and it just simply needs to stop this whole me me me, and it's everywhere. It's in and it's government. going to take a grassroots effort from the bottom up. You know, we can't. You know, Leroy McKnight and Dennis Boyko can't do it. You know, we need everybody out there who's listening to the show and who knows somebody who who wants to affect positive change. Positive change. 
need to come out there and uh, you know make their voices heard. Pressure your pressure, encourage your del, uh, your constitutional convention delegates to you know look into working for a living, see what this organization stands for. You know we you know we're the ones that are out there, especially you, Leroy and Jeff, that are that are doing the work and uh, at, at, at this point and you know you've written uh even before working for a living you you've done so much for uh the the uh cause of labor you know and uh people need to understand that and know that that you're just not mailing it in right right well uh you know the, i said that you know Dennis Voico and concert with Leroy McKnight will affect change on these specific matters but you're exactly right, Dennis. This isn't done, and I say this often. There's no one person that can do this. There's no team of people that can do this by themselves. This is going to take each and every one of our members to support doing the right thing for our union and for our country and for our sister unions. Because when we start changing things, when we started changing things in the down for the negative, when we cut wages in half in 2007, everybody jumped on that bandwagon. They cut wages across the nation because of what the UAW did. Honda was com- comparing themselves to the wages and remuneration that we had. I have the article. $50 an hour with, with everything. Back in 2006, they wrote, when we cut, they cut. Everybody, the whole nation. It's time for that to stop and turn around. We need your support to do it for us and for everybody else in our country too. You know, I mean, when we benefit, every we rise a lot of boats, and this the water goes up. Okay, so, but it does take each and every member. But for now, the next twenty-one and a half is. Every member needs to go and talk to their delegate and encourage them that you need that sort of change. End the corruption. Stop the downward spiral. Reverse it and push the lever down full. Put the foot to the floorboard full to get our remuneration and our wages Ascending and stop declining. Okay, that's, so. that's the only way it's going to happen, Leroy. And, and, and I just want to reiterate one more time: everybody needs to know what's at stake here. It's going to be the next four years of the same old crap, you know, of, of giving away, giving away, giving away, doing this, doing that, corruption, everything that's been happening. That we, if we get out there, we could, we could change it. Well, Dennis, I mean, one of the emails that came in was, are we, you know, appraised of the MOU and COA? And that came from Michigan, but you're from Lordstown, one of the facilities that's affected by. I mean, they, you know, this is the giveaway, concessionary action by the international that was forced upon the local unions. Some places they'd say under cloak of darkness. You know, yeah, it was passed, but, you know, pretty quickly and pretty 
pretty slickly, as they they say in certain quarters, slick. Yes. Uh, right. So. You're seeing, even now, with all the pressure from the membership and pre- previous history of GM Subsystems LLC that's at, already at Grand River, Lansing Grand River, that they cut these wages even more than what's going on. This is wrong, folks. Brothers and sisters, I, you know, they're not changing. They haven't changed their spots. The majority are not retiring out of this current international executive board, and they just now approved all contracts, all MOUs that are affecting such things have to be approved by the international. Just know that. We went, Jeff went over that here a week or, week or so ago about approvals. They have to be approved by the international. They just approved concessions. So their mindset isn't changing, and everybody needs to understand that. They just just approved concessions for 200 people at each one of those facilities, minimum of 200 people, at Lake Orion and in Lordstown. And did you hear any part of our voice that said we're amenable to concessions, Dennis? No. 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 I didn't hear your voice either. Yeah. So, brothers and sisters, you got a decision. You got to talk to your delegates and make them know in no uncertain terms. If they return the people that are doing concessions still, that their life is going to be pretty miserable when they come back to your facility. You got to let them know in real clear terms. Don't threaten anybody. Don't don't do anything like that. But you know how to let them know. Make a change in our union. So, having said that, uh, Jeff, you got any questions for Dennis while you're here? No, I don't. He's a very good man. Yeah, yeah. We Thank all you, had Jeff. a meeting a week ago, so we we had you know a real good meeting. So everybody's comfortable with one another and. We get along real good. The whole team does. So, um, so uh, having said that, I'm, I'm going to leave you open, Mike, uh, here, Dennis, and we'll bring on another new leader uh, that uh, we have. Um, brothers and sisters and all you listeners, please welcome Sharon Bell to the show. Welcome, Sharon. How are you? I'm good. I have a little problem with my phone is going in and out, so I'll try to make it real brief and short. Uh, good afternoon to everyone. And uh, just a little short something about myself. Um, I'm interested in securing our job, uh, having uh, improved working conditions, uh, systems that look at shorter work hours and higher wages, better health care. Those are the things that are outlined in our Constitution, the objective of our union. The reason people work, the reason people have families, and these our families deserve to know after we put those hours in that we're going to get good wages. And you're coming in these plants and these organizations 
given your time and life, and they should pay us. And I think that we should have representatives that don't give in concessions to the point that it hurts its members, because then we're going against our Constitution. I want people to stand up for the Constitution, and I want us to be uh, enthused about our union because they care and because they show us that they care by not hurting us in these negotiations and these policies and grievances that don't get processed. So that's really the bottom line for me. Um, As far as uh, where I'm from, I've been in the union a long time. Um, I don't know if uh, Leroy has told you anything, but Leroy, I think at this point, because I'm uh, on my phone and it's acting up, it's not charged up, I can open it up for questions if they have questions for me. Okay. Uh, let me let me just say first, uh, Sharon Bell has an MBA. She's got a master's degree in human resources, bachelor's degree in human resources, and associates as a paralegal. Sharon Bell is a very highly qualified woman. And we're happy to have her at the very top of the slate of leadership. So uh, with that said, I want to say also that Dennis also has a bachelor's degree. Uh, So these are both highly educated uh, members that are part of this team, and they're going to do very, very well. Uh, uh, Sharon Bell has been active in the community over 40 years and held all manner of positions and function on, uh, as Dennis does, on her uh, credit union board as well. So uh, we'll have those resumes available on the website tomorrow. Okay, they're not quite there yet, but I want to make sure everybody uh, got introduced before we started putting out credentials. But um, the, uh, if, I, if our, I could say one thing, though. Sure. I'm driving, but you guys, I'm going to jump in every now and then when my phone works right. I want to encourage everyone that this is a very serious time in our union. If you want to make change and improvements, we don't want to change just for the sake of change, but we want to change when we need change. And I think everyone in the union knows that a lot of bad things have gone on, and I'm always talking about there's been some good things, but you you know what they were. But the, the bad things is what's hurting us the worst. It's getting to our members, and our members don't deserve that because that short changes us in our contract and in our training and education. Everybody needs to be enthused and engaged, everybody. We need each of us to make it happen. Don't stay home. I, I, I'm very active in the community as well. So my thing is don't stay home and don't vote. Don't stand back and watch and then later when it's all said and done and we got a bad, bad union and we don't have good people leading us and say, oh, what happened? Because I won't want to talk about it. The time is now. 
if I knew I'm interested in the future, in now and the future, I want each of you to think about being more involved and where you can make a difference. This is your union. This is our union. Get involved, get engaged. I mean that. Okay? Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, uh, Sharon. You you are a, absolutely a motivation to even myself here tonight. I, I want to reiterate one thing before I ask for questions for uh, Sharon Bell. Um, as you see, the people that have been on this show tonight and in the leadership team, these aren't people who raised their hand six months ago or a year ago. This has been their life, our life, representing members, representing members and doing good in our communities. It is who we are. We've done it our whole lives, stick up for people. We're not passing through and waving our hand in the air and threatening everybody. We're doing this because it's who we are. We can't do anything but correct. So with that said, uh, Dennis, do you have questions uh, for for uh, Sharon Bell, please? I, I don't have any questions. Uh, I just uh, am, am glad that Sharon's on the team, and uh, she's, you know, an inspiration. Yes, she is. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, Jeff, you got any questions for Sharon? No, I think she'll do a great job. I do, too. Well, good job. Yeah. I was, I'm so happy Sharon's with us. <laughs> I mean, we have some really other good other people as well. Uh, I mean, just tremendous other other women that are with us, and uh, we're we're pleased pleased to have Sharon be a part of us. Uh, hey, you Lee, know, Roy, Sharon, uh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, just one of the things that you know that you were telling me about Sharon is you know that she's uh, got some human resource. I mean, she she has the whole gamut as far as experience goes with Brian uh, Turf. Office in the Detroit area and having some human resource experience and being on the credit union board. I mean, this is a lady who's who seems to have done it all. I mean, and is really highly qualified. I'm very very proud to say that she's uh, on this team. Thank you. Thank you. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, we have we have another woman in part of our group. Uh, that also has a bachelor's in human resources and a double bachelor's in legal yeah. studies. Uh, now, this this person uh, likely not going to be running for office uh, for personal reasons, uh, but uh, uh, you know, this part she's part of our team and she's also an amazing woman. Uh, she's listening now, and I just want to reach out and say hi, sister. <laughs> You, you are also an inspiration for me, and and sometimes when I get them wrong, you you jump in there and straighten me out. So, thank you for who and what you are too. I I won't say your name out loud here because you've always wanted to be private in the background. But uh, you know, we're we're happy to have you as part of our team as well. And sorry you missed our call the other day, uh, but uh, we 
dearly love you and your husband, and that'll never change. Uh, so, uh, with, with all of that said, uh, we uh, uh, again. I mean, Dennis has been on his credit union for uh, uh, several terms, a long time. How many years? Uh, oh, yeah, uh, so, she says great team. She, she just responded to me, great team. Yeah, well, we, we have a great team, and you're a good part of it, sister. So thank you. Uh, but Dennis, yeah, you've been on your credit board, uh, credit union board too, I believe, right? Yes, yes, yeah. It, it's, uh, How many years served there? This is my second term. Okay, that's that. You know, that's you know bodes well for you that uh, people trust you with a lot of money. You know, and so I mean, well, you'll and, see. You, know, you also have to, yeah, you also have to negotiate. You know, one of the things that. Uh, you know, one of our main responsibilities is negotiating the CEO's salary and the employee salaries, you know. And uh, yeah. being that we're a member, credit unions are a member-based organization. You know, the members are the owners, just like the UAW is. Uh, yeah. You know, you have to, the CEOs, and, you know, and it's a competitive thing. You know, if you want good people, you, you have to pay good people. But when you're talking about paying somebody, and this is not just Mary Barra, but any corporation, when you're talking about paying them $22 million plus, you know, their bonuses when they reach certain incentives and stuff, when, you know, uh, you have other issues and, and you're squeezing the work, you know, when I went through school, and this is a long time ago, when I went to college, uh, it was supposed to be... Uh, a company labor uh, cooperative, you know, uh, whatever was good for the worker, you know, and Henry Ford did said this way back in 19, you know, 08 or whatever it was with the Model P that, you know, he has to pay his workers a wage that allows them to buy the car. Well, we're, we're going away from that where we're hiring people in our plants who can't afford to buy the car that they're building. That's exactly right, Dennis, and I say that from time to time. I think it was uh, in the late 20s. He came out with a $5 a day wage, and it might not sound like a lot now, but it was a lot of money back then, a lot of money. $5 a day was enormous money, and that, that allowed his workers to buy the product that they built and having a good, good living in addition to that, okay? And at, at his announcement, his comptroller, who later ran for the Senate in Michigan, was elected. I, his name escapes me right now, but he looked around the people near him, and he said, this is going to make Henry Ford a billionaire. And it did before before the time where they were plenty like they are these days. It did, but guess what? His people thrived as well. Yeah, they tightened the, the the jobs up pretty tight, and it's our job to loosen them up again, just like they are now. They're pretty tight. It's our job to loosen them up again. But paying the people properly is what it's all about. Wages, working conditions, and hours of employment. Okay? 
Those are the three mandatory bargaining, right? Right. We're going to do that. We're going to do it in the interest of the members. You know, we Dennis and I had this conversation yesterday about you know competitive operating agreement. That agreement needs to be competitive for our members, not for the corporation. We need our members more more competitive. We don't want to be competitive with minimum wage. We want to be competitive with the highest wage, because we should be. We're tier one industrial wage earners, right? Yep. Look at yourself in the mirror, everybody. You're a tier one industrial wage earner. Are you making enough money? Yes. No. We Are you don't. making enough money? Uh, <laughs> okay. Sharon, don't Sharon, insult me. Don't insult okay. me. <laughs> no, but that's real. That's real. That's, that's real. That's right. Everybody needs to look. She, I think she did that. That's she looked in the car mirror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My phone is going in and out, but the Constitution, let's live by it. We're here to yeah. make a living, a good yeah. living, and fight for okay. other people and get other people in our union. Right. Okay? Right. Yeah. Well, we're we're close to an hour, and uh, I should probably start my report because I got a couple things to talk about. Okay. Um, and uh, I'll leave you guys open mic, uh, so you may want you know, depending on your background noise, it's, it's quiet now, but you may want to mute uh, until such time as you want to talk or say anything. And I'm, I'll, I'll you know, you, you can interrupt me anytime. Uh, but. Uh, the issue, there's two issues out there that we uh, brought to the members over the course of this past week. Uh, I'll start with the retiree uh, pension issue that's in our agreement. I want to explain this, and I want to see if I can get that rascal up. Uh, it's hidden on me. I'll find it down here on the page. Um, so at... Uh, Uh, where to go? I know I got to refresh that. Probably. Yeah. So I'm looking for the document because I want to be able to uh, talk about it with, with some. I'm going to have to go look for it. Just a second. Yeah. Bear with me. I should have had this up. I apologize. Because yeah. I want to give you accurate information as I go over this, and it is the pension funding levels. There we go. And that's what we're going to talk about, the pension funding levels. This is uh, important to all of us. Um, and that's the right one. So uh, what it says, essentially, uh, uh, is that the uh, oh here it is no that's the other one uh, what it says is the uh, uh, corporation has been relieved from General Motors Corporation that is uh, has been relieved from uh, any further obligations to the pension okay and that's in the General Motors agreement I have not found it either in, when I looked and read uh, in concert with uh, Jeff Brown and Scott Shingledecker when we went over the Constitution or the, uh, con uh, the contracts when they were being rolled out. We didn't find this language in the 
uh, Ford or the FCA agreements. So they seem to still be re required to put money in there. Um, Ford, however, did go to a different uh, f uh, funding plan and uh, or uh, accounting plan, um, accrual system instead of the cash system, uh, and that's in preparation to hedge themselves on the, the downside. And our accounting friends uh, in the leadership team will know what that is. But for now, that's uh, just it helps them if the fund goes down. Uh, so. Uh, it, you know, and they obviously did that thinking that the fund would go down at some point, uh, probably more than it would ever go up. So, although it's gone up since they did that. Uh, having said that, the next part of the language, and let me give you a little bit of history. We opposed as a union the Pension Protection Act of 2006 that George W. Bush signed into law and it was passed by both houses of the United States Congress. And this act essentially says, it says a lot, but uh, for our purposes, if the funding level in the pension plan falls below 80%, the pensions get cut 50%, until the fund above, until the funding rises above the level of 80% again. Now, uh, one of the things that's also part of that is that if you're below 62, all supplements get ended as well. So you would get half of the vested portion that you receive below 60, the age of 62. And this is for all Detroit 3. It's in all three Detroit 3 agreements, okay? The relieving of adding money is only for General Motors. The rest of what we're talking about is in all three, and this is part of the Pe Pension Protection Act, and we're talking about it right now. And we oppose this. The other thing that it does is suspends all supplements that are paid. So if you're under 62, you would only get the vested portion, and that would be cut in half. And in my understanding, for a current retiree, making, I think it's 3170 still per month, that your vested portion is around uh, $1,500 to $1,550 about half, a little, little less than half. Now, that depends on who you are, how many years you had, uh, you know, what your wage was at the last uh, um, month of your em uh, employment before you retired. A number of things will affect the amount of pension that you actually receive and how much the vested portion is versus the total pension amount, all right? so that everybody understands it for everybody. You know? So, um, so it's, you know, I mean, it is for everybody, but everybody's amount's going to be. So this, if you're under 62, they would suspend the supplement, and you get half, and that's around, we'll say, 1550 That makes it 775 that you would get per month, $775. 
And this is true. Right. If you're over 65, right. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're over 62, okay, Social Security kicks in, and they carve out the pension from Social Security. So you get just about what your uh, amount was for the, if your pension, if your Social Security was a couple thousand a month, then you would get 1100 uh, to balance. If your Social Security is 1800 a month, whatever your Social Security is, you're, they're going to carve out your pension. Usually you get a little, it's a little bit more than 3170 or whatever the current amount is. You're going to get a little bump because of the way the Social Security is carved out. It's not actually dollar for dollar. Okay, you're going to get a little bit of a bump, and then so you might be 32, 50, 3300, and they carve it out, and your vested portion of your pension is going to be a little bit more. So we're going to call that for a current retiree 1700 bucks. For somebody like a Leroy McKnight, it's around 1550. Okay. If the funding falls below 80%, then you get that cut in half. Okay, so a Leroy McKnight would get 75 Somebody making 1600 would get $800. And this is all market-driven. Okay, notwithstanding that it was $62 billion in at the bottom, March 6th of 2009, we know the number around the end of 2008, Uh, but as we got our notice early in the year 2009, it was $62 billion for General Motors. Notwithstanding, the market's gone up 300%, and the pension fund is now $59 billion, so it didn't really appreciate with the market. All right, so everybody understand that, but we know from past history, if the market goes down, then, then, uh, then they, you know, they ask. They've had to put more money in it because the pension does go down uh, with the market. So we've seen that. Sharon, did you have something you want to say? I just had to say that's scary, and I hope people paying attention. I read it. Go ahead. All right. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. it's it's in black letter print. You know, bold black letter print. Now the argument that some people would make is that the pension fund is closed and they don't have to add any more money to it as long as all things stay equal. Well, that's true. But we're, believe it or not, the United States economy does not always go straight up as it's done since 2009 through 2000, uh, the end of 2017, because we've been sideways essentially since the first of the year. Uh, and that's another discussion. But for now, we'll just say that we're sideways and we're up, you know, arguably 300%. I know a lot of the young people, especially, haven't seen the cyclical market that is inherent in the United States and the world. Financial markets move up and down and they're cyclical. And perception changes and drives the market. Perception does. And in our case, what the Federal Reserve does. They infused a trillion dollars a year from 2008 to 2016, and now they're unwinding that money. 
last I knew, they had $4.6 trillion to unwind. Unwinding is a fancy term for selling what they bought, taking money out of the system, and that's going to come to roost eventually. Nobody knows when. There's some technicals that say this and that and that and this, and we're close, I would expect. But for now, uh, it hasn't done it yet. But believe me, the, the, the marketplace is cyclical. And this, you know, what is it, 24,000 that we're at, up from 6,000. Think about that. Never happened in the history, ever happened in the history of any market that's gone up 300%. That I know of. I mean, gold might have done that in the early 80s. I stand corrected a little bit. There's a few times that that's happened. But we've all seen, always seen uh, big corrections behind that kind of stuff. We don't know when, if, or how much a correction may come. We got a real good idea, but nobody's a soothsayer here. But as the market moves and the pension funds go down, that inevitably will be the case, you can expect to see some reductions in the pension. Now, I can't afford that. And yeah, in 2015, in 2015, the Pension Protection Act that the UAW opposed in 2006 was put into black letter print our agreement. Okay, into the pension agreement and a lot of things were removed in order to put that in there cuz they had to change some things. Okay? And that's in our agreement. Now, we would make the case that federal law has no business in our agreement because, as the Teamsters did with their central states pension and their New York pension, they went to the Treasury Department and asked for relief from the reduction of their pensions under the multi-employer pension plans, and they got it. Now, we're still trying to deal with it as a country. And I watched intently the uh, Pension Guarantee, Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation meeting that Congress held on, on Thursday. I watched it intently. I believe it's Thursday. It might have been Friday. It's been, the things are going around here pretty quick, but I watched a little over an hour, hour and, uh, you know, I don't know, 54 minutes, something like that. So, so, and it was interesting to watch that because everybody's concerned about it and they want to get the tent teamsters, importantly, the miners, have a problem in their pension, the multiple plan. And, and we're part of the single digit. Let me tell you uh, what they, you hear us say, what you have to pay attention to the obvious, but you also have to pay attention to the obscure. And in this meeting, they had, it came out, through the director of the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, that they typically, in a single uh, uh, plan pension, they typically pay between eleven and twelve hundred dollars if you have the full complement. You're thirty years in eleven and twelve hundred dollars as a benefit per month. That makes you about fourteen thousand four hundred maximum for a year. 
Okay. Now, uh, the $1,200, now we just talked about a number that was 775 to 800 if they cut the pension in half. Okay. Now, I want you to understand what's going on here. In 2006, when they passed this law, okay, that we could, if it wasn't in our agreement, it'll be automatic if it's in the agreement. But if we can get it removed because it's federal law and has no business in our contract, then then we can go and appeal to the, the uh, uh, Treasury Department, et cetera, to try and stop whatever they're doing and see what we can get done in other ways so we don't get that cut. And we're going to work not to get a cut as best we know how, okay? So, and that's what you need to know from this leadership team. We're going to work to reverse all of this because we don't like it. I mean, we're not talking about it because we, we like it. I wrote about it, put it all up out there for everybody to see this past week so that you know what's coming with the current people that are there that negotiated this and allowed it to be placed in our agreement. Federal law has no business in our agreement. That's our position. Federal law has no, no business. I agree. Thank you, Sharon. I think, Dennis, is, would you concur? Federal Absolutely. Law, no, yeah, it's it not supposed to be there. We want to protect our retirees the best we know how and leave it to the government to, to try and enforce what they put into, into law. But part of what's going on you see, the government has a problem with the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation because there's been a lot of theft out of the pension plans. Legal. It's all legal. But there's been a lot of uh, filtering and siphoning off of monies. They got real cute, real coy, and these comptrollers are real good. You know, they can make money talk to you if they want. And that's that's one of the, the other things that I think distinguishes us, Leroy, from any of the other uh, leadership groups out there or whatever, is that uh, you expose this stuff and, and you uh, talk about it, and it's factual, and uh, it needs to stop. Because we wouldn't have a lot of the issues we're having in this country if uh, there wasn't the, the draft going on and, and uh, you're the only one that's out there talking about it and, and doing the work to uh, expose it well it, you know it's it's team effort you know and it, it, it's not just me I mean I, I yeah I I identified it in the 2015 agreement when it came out and and I talked there I actually posted three of the shows we talked about it at length but I posted three of the, those shows from the other show because we're not mad at them on the other show. I mean, we did a lot of good work there, Jeff and I and Decker and Donnie Couch. We'll give them all credit uh, where credit's due. We did a lot of good work uh, breaking out these May contracts. And, and, go ahead. May I Sharon. Okay. I just want to say, because I don't want you out there by yourself on this, just as a person who had studied the contract as we were, they were negotiating this last contract, and you had all the workers, the impression, all those people complaining about different things. 
Well, one of those things I looked at, and one of the things I talked about when I ran for delegate at my local was to the retirees. Everybody that's retired needs to understand. If you're comfortable, the language that 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 Leroy just told you about is real. And I have forty some years, and I didn't feel comfortable retiring because I knew that was there. And if that fund goes below, and he already told you we had fifty nine billion, it is irresponsible for us to have been caught up in that. Those retirees did not deserve that, and uh, so so we have to do something to make it right uh, for everyone. And we have to do other things. I'm going to say it's not the topic today, but we're going to have to make things right with wages for the tenants. We have to make things right for their seniority, and we have to cross the board Get the, something is wrong. The system is not right. And to wrap it up, though, this pension for those people who are laying around thinking they got a happy pension, uh, you better read the language if you don't believe Leroy. That's why I'm coming to the table. I got to stand up. And if nobody else wants to, I'm going to speak up. And, Leroy, you're the only one speaking on this issue right now. So I have to give you credit. Regardless, okay. you need well, to be Thank you, Sharon. I much appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, a lot thank of people have been listening to this show for a long time, and they, they see they listen in every week. You know, we really appreciate them tuning in and, and taking their time, their valuable time, listening to stuff that's going on. <laughs> We've talked about this in the past, too, Leroy, and just think what it would do for the economy if people had the confidence to retire when they reached the age that, that they had hoped to retire, 65 or whatever age that may be. But if you had a, a you know, a, a health care program that you were confident in and you had a pension program that was secure, so many people, more people would be retiring. I talk to these guys every day. They're worried about if they had some catastrophic illness that wasn't covered, you know, that they didn't have coverage for the health care. But if we had a guaranteed health care program, guaranteed pensions, how much that would do for the economy and opening up jobs so people could go enjoy their lives when they're supposed to, when they get to be yeah. retirement age. Right. That's correct. That's correct. A lot of people, you know, taking a look at this and having to make, you know, changing their decisions. And, you know, we're about removing this from our contract, firstly. And, and, it's, and it's, as I'm explaining why they put it in there, you'll understand that we need to reverse it as federal law, too. And that's some of the jobs that we as union leaders, are, you know, have to do for our membership. Okay? Exactly. And, and we can't do it without the support of the membership to get this exactly. change. We need your support to do it. Uh, and, and, that, and that only happens in a union structure like we have. It can only happen in our union. So our union is a great, great entity vehicle for our membership. And we don't want to change it one bit. We want to enhance it to the degree it can be enhanced, but we don't want to change it for the negative one bit, not one bit. Those we don't things. need to. All we need to do is enforce the, the, the things that are in place, the 
Constitution. All, that's all we need to do, and it'll take care of itself. Like I said, it has a good architect. Everything's on this whole ground. But it's the people that uh, are supposed to be doing what they're doing aren't doing it. Right. The architecture is what I'm talking about. I mean, there's subtle changes that need to be because of the internet. We need to have electronic voting at the convention. That kind of stuff needs changed. But the the institution itself is a great institution. It's just had some problems with administration. Yeah. I'm sure they're all good, well-meaning people, but there seems to be some problems from where we sit. Or I'd be happy to be fishing somewhere, quite frankly, brothers and sisters. But there's real problems. So, but I want to I want to get into why the government did this. They have a problem with the pension benefit guarantee corporation because they have overpromised the protection of pensions. And when they saw all the theft going on, the graft, if you will, from the pensions, and then the pensions not going up with the market like they should have. Okay, they started taking a look at this in 2006 and and. Put this in there now. What they effectively did. I want to. I want to. And just bear with me a minute here, because half of the pension, if they cut the 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 agreement or this pension protection act, and in our agreement now, both say we get lesser of half of our pension or the hundred percent of the pension benefit guarantee corporation. The lesser of is what we get. Because they put that into the law and then now in our contract, we get the lesser amount, which is somewhere around 800 bucks or less, depending on my pensions, okay? And the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, if you have a 30-year pension, would likely pay you eleven or $1,200. So you get around the 70 or 80% of your amount. This supplanted the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation promise to us it is no longer in effect because when we get the lesser of the two, our half of our pension is always going to be less of the pension, 100% of the pension guarantee by the government, okay, PBGC. So uh, that essentially took us off the liability board for the single employer pension plan. Because their liabilities, I think they said, were 111 and change, 112 we'll call it, and their funding levels were 106 billion. These are billion dollars, okay? 112 billion versus 106. And the uh, multi uh, plan pensions, are, their liabilities are 16 billion, and their funding's only 2 billion. So they're going to work on the multi plan first. You must understand, because of the Pension Protection Act, we don't even fit into the liability model for them. Now, that's what we, t- we call the what's you know obvious and what's the obscure. The obscure is we're not even in their liability on their, on their balance sheet, and that's my uh, read on all of this, because I'll tell you something. The three Detroit Three companies are... Probably, let's see, uh, the GM funding is uh, $59 billion. Uh, I think I saw f- uh, $38 billion for Ford, and I don't know what Chrysler is, right, or FCA uh, is at the moment, but I'm going to uh, 
just throw out probably 25. So we're looking right there at about 125 assets, and they only have 106. So somehow uh, we're we're not even on their liability and assets sheet anymore for the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. And that Pension Protection Act basically was put into place to save the government's promise from us. You need to understand what that was. And we need to change that. Because if pension plans fail, the government has said they'll protect us to the degree of about 70 or 80 percent. We need to hold them accountable and not put in laws that diminish us as human beings. We've got to stop that. And I remind you, that's a 2006 law. Think about it. Who was there? Okay? I want you to keep that in mind when I say that from time to time. And the other leadership says it from time to time. Think about our friends and our enemies. We embrace our friends. We'll partner with the stakeholders that are in the same boat that we're in, and we're going to oppose our enemies, whether corporate or government. Okay? That's fair to say. So I think that pretty much wraps up uh, what the Pension Pension Protection Act of 2006 is. We have placed that virtually. Well, I'll tell you this. It's a 100 and some pages and there's a 32-page synopsis, and the meat of that 32-page synopsis, and if you read that, you can almost make chocolate cake out of that stuff, by the way. Um, uh, The recipe for chocolate cake had to be in there somewhere. Um, But if you read the meat of the, the synopsis, they have taken that and put it, directly into our pension or our, our CBA, our collective bargaining agreement in the pension plan of it. So uh, we need to get that pulled out of there and then get that law reversed, and that's a goal of our team. Uh, so, Dennis, you got on that issue, I, I got one more. Uh, we'll be brief on that one, I think. Uh, but uh, anybody have questions? You have questions or comments, Dennis? Nope. Sharon? Sharon, do you have a question or comment on that matter? Still with us? I, I want to say thank you. My comment is this. Thank you for being having the courage to speak up on this. And I'm listening, and I've been needing somebody to say something because my pension and everything is on the line. Let's, let's get this, these things straightened out. So thank you. You're welcome. There's 600,000 retirees in the UAW that deserve better. They are 60% of our membership. They deserve better, and there's not a retiree out there that shouldn't be telling everybody about listening to this show. Every member ought to be going to their, because eventually you're all going to retire, and we support putting pension plan and health care in for the those that don't have it in the agreement. Across the nation, no matter what industry you're in, not just the auto industry, okay? So we're talking about the auto industry here right now, but we represent, you know, two-thirds of our our uh, members are not the Detroit Three. IPS that supply the Detroit Three is a third, a little more than a third, 
And TOPS, Top Technical Office and Professional Services, is another third. And we're going to look at how that structure of the UAW leadership is uh, assigned accordingly when we... And that's one of the reasons, Leroy, that, that I uh, sometimes don't uh, dare to comment because, you know, it, it's not all about the uh, Detroit Three. It, it's really not. You know, a lot of these people uh, in TOPS and IPS have less favorable agreements, uh, in, you know, about all the things, retiree, benefits, health care, all that stuff. And, and you know, it's, it's we're not actually uh, getting them better, better contracts. You know, everything's about being, uh, about giveaways now, you know. So, you know, it's not about the big, uh, the Detroit Three all the time, and you know sometimes we have to uh, check ourselves on that because they have a lot of the uh, other two thirds of the UAW, you know, have other issues also. That's correct, but there's but there's retirees in all of those groups as well. The, the right. six hundred thousand aren't all from the Detroit Three, and this right. language. Yep. You know, is affecting because it's gone on the other contracts that we're unaware of as well, and we need to get that removed, not just from the Detroit Three, but the rest of the agreements as well, as we I can, know. and then yep. that law overturned. But brothers and sisters, there's not a retiree out there that should not be telling their fellow retiree or fellow member, active member, in the plant that you need to impose upon your delegates that change needs to occur. This needs to be removed from our agreement, first of all, and then work to reverse that law. There's some pretty good people on the pension and the, the board for the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, and virtually all of them spoke that there's a problem and that needs to be addressed as with the same same motivation that they save the banks, they're going to save these pension plans. Not all God of them committed to that. Not all of them are committed to that. But that's that's what we're imposing on them. And we've already been working with some people from the AFL-CIO uh, that are good friends to see that, that that gets to be an issue. And some of the elected officials it was my job to contact some of the elected officials and tell them exactly and specifically that. They need to pr pursue the protection of the pensions as with as much vigor as they did to save the banks. Okay? And that came from very high, and I was asked to do it, and I've done it. Okay? In my own township, we've already done it. We saved the police and fire pensions they are, they are now funded for in, indefinite so that they'll all have their pensions. I've already cleaned up my backyard by and through my elected officials and, and work. I mean, I walked. I, I did robocalls. I mean, I've set up robocalls to have, uh, occur and set up emails to those that we had email addresses for. But we've already done it in my, my arena. We're working on getting people at the state level, legislators, I walked last Monday, I walked a week ago, walked four hours with my own candidate that's likely to get elected. That I that I have been grooming, encouraged to run for house rep, so that our civil service brothers and sisters will have a safe pension. 
And this is a woman who led the charge in my own township that I helped and schooled along in the area. So there's not a retiree in our union that should sit still for what's in this agreement right now. You need to get out there and tell your delegates change of leadership, not the institution. Change of leadership needs to occur the week of June 11. And there's not a retiree that, doesn't, that won't benefit by that. 600,000 across every industry that we represent. 60% of the membership. Get up off your duff and stop thinking that I'm retired, I don't have nothing to say about it anymore because you're a full member with very few limitations on that. They are. You can't vote to ratify agreement currently. We've got language in there for those items exclusive to you. You could, but that's not there yet. That's in a resolution before the convention. I wrote it last time, cleaned it up, wrote it again this time. Others have done it as well. We thank them. You can't start or stop, vote to start or stop a strike, and you may not belong, uh, run, run for, I'm seeing, run for elected office. Those are the limits, elected office for bargaining bargaining unit. Okay, you can run for any other elected office, including the IEB, including the IEB, if you're a retiree, but you may not be on the local union bargaining, any any office that handles local union grievances. Okay, and that precludes a local union president who's on all because he's part of the bargaining committee. He or she is part of the bargaining committee. Okay, uh, so uh, having said that, so uh, uh, Jeff, do you have any comments on on this matter? You good? Not? No, you're absolutely okay. right. Okay, having heard, let me move to the other one and then we'll clean this up real quick. This is on the issue of part-time temporary dues. Uh, this issue's been going on for a couple of years. Uh, it came to my attention early in May. I guess I've uh, been hearing about it for a while. Uh, it was brought to me specifically, so I researched it and wrote an opinion on it and published that on Friday, I guess it was. Or, no, I published it yesterday uh, in the afternoon. Uh, the opinion says as follows. Okay, first the Constitution says that uh, all members, all members, full-time members will be paying 2.5 2 hours. That subject be rolled back with no additional action to two hours after this Constitution. If there's additional action, uh, the uh, uh, the uh, number of hours per uh, month would change, but for now it's 2.5, subject to change. Uh, so, uh, if you do the math for those, oh, and in the salaried uh, positions for like the state workers or county or local workers or some uh, that we represent that have salary positions uh, is 1.44%. Those that can't strike, I think it's 1.94% don't have the ability to strike, okay? But the issue before us is the temporaries, the part-time temporaries, part-time workers, and they're supposed to pay 1.44%. Now, we're going to get into some things here 
uh, and we're going to try and be brief because we're getting long, but you've got to pay attention just for a little while longer, please. It's an important issue. Uh, we'll go into more on the temporaries next week, well, the week after the Memorial Day holiday because we have abbreviated, as I indicated earlier in the show, abbreviated show uh, in, in remembrance of uh, certain people and the veterans, a uh, certain person and the veterans. Uh, so uh, let's get into this. There's uh, 40 weeks, I'm sorry, 52 weeks of 40 hours. That, you multiply those and you got 2,080 hours. 12 months in a year, so you divide that and you get 173.3333. So you round that, it's 173.3. Constitution says uh, a full month wages. Okay, um, and they say it in a, I don't have right now, but, that, oh, I do. Somebody, we got some noise, please. Uh, no, I don't have it in front of me. So, but uh, it, it suffice to say that, that that's the benchmark for all things paid monthly. 173.3, and our Constitution supports that. Now, 2.5 hours divided by 173.3 happens to be 144.33333. So it's 1.44%, and you round it, and it's 1.3 something. And you round it out, it's 1.44. The exact same number that the full time percentage of full-time workers pay at 2.5 hours, okay? So the temporaries are supposed to, part-time workers, not temporaries, but part-time workers that work less than 40 hours and they're hired for less than 40 hours, whether it's in the auto industry or any other industry or facility government entity that we represent. If you're a part-time employee, you pay 1.44%, just like the full-time workers pay at 2.5 hours, which is also 1.44%. Now, no, but the full-time workers do not pay unless you work 40 hours in a month, okay? So you have to work 40 hours in a month before you pay. There is federal law that says you may not create a second class within a class. So everybody in the union pays 1.44%. Part-time workers pay 1.44% on the hours they work. Only, you, if you violate that, you are subject to violating the United States Constitution and, sub, and, and uh, um, appropriate case law that uh, controls that. Okay, we won't go into exactly what that is because that's part of our plan to hold our corporations accountable, but we don't want to give it to all our competition now, do we? So, uh, but it is part of our plan. We know what it is. In private, I would tell you, but and any of the members would tell you of our team leadership team. But for now, we'll just keep that what the law is under wraps. But believe me, they'd already be suing me if I was wrong. And we've we've raised this issue a number of times in the past. Okay, you may not create a second class within a class, okay? So they all have to pay the same. 
They may not start before 40 hours, and they all pay 1.44%. Part-time are, are, are broken out as different, only paid on the hours worked. Should they work over 173.3 hours, they would only pay 2.5 hours, and that would be 100 uh, or 1.44% on on their monthly uh, 173.3 hours a regular month. Okay, the overtime hours would not uh, beyond 173.3 would not be covered, not have to be paid on. So, part-time temporary. The rules are part-time, and it's, it's published, so you can go read it. Part-time temporaries do not pay below 40 hours, the same as anybody else. You can't make a separate class for them. They got to be. They can't pay before 40 hours. And just like the full-time workers, salaried or hourly, they pay 1.44% on the hours worked. Okay. Those of you that think they pay after the 1.44 before 40 hours and and 2.5 hours after for the any hours after they make 40 hours full time full time you missed the class you should have went to the class stayed awake paid attention be focused but you missed this part when they said full time it's not full time 40 hours the constitution says complement of a month's wages and that's 173.3 hours as calculated in the percentage of 2.5 hours versus 173.3, and that is 1.44. That is what the part-time temporaries pay, no more, no less. They're required by Constitution to pay 1.44%, the same percentage as everybody else that pays, but they only pay it on the hours they work after 40 hours. Okay, everybody got that now? We're sticking up for the part-time temporaries, and we're sticking up for the temporaries. You've become 20% of the membership of the Detroit Three. That in and of itself is unacceptable. We talked about it a couple shows ago. Talked about it a little bit earlier tonight. When you begin the fourth month, you should be a seniority employee with full time status work permits for temporary workers in our opinion are only for and as the constitution is written three consecutive months when you begin the fourth consecutive month you're supposed to be full time seniority member that's in the constitution so that's all I have on the part time Dues dollars, and uh, everybody else knows that you got to pay 2.5 hours, or if you're a full-time salaried person, you pay uh, 1.44 of your total salary, and that's set when the month goes. Now, oh, the other question that was out there, uh, my do I work the same hours every week, and this was in the, the, uh, the what I published there. Uh, I work the same hours every week, yet my dues dollars are different. That's because your start, the, the months, first of the months, can start any one of seven different days, Sunday through Saturday, you could start, and then you're going to have a different number of hours 
because of that, and the the months vary in length. There's a couple of times when they're the same, but mostly they vary in length. Okay, from anywhere from 28 to 31 days. So subsequently, your dues will be different every month, and that's a function of actually being uh, calculated properly. Okay, so I would suggest that that one's uh, they're, they're actually doing it right there. That's all I have there. Uh, Sharon, do you have any comments on the part-time dues? Oh, um, I did. You know what? My phone went out on the part-time dues, but I heard everything. I'm going to step aside. I heard everything about the temporary work language, but unfortunately my phone went out. I'll come back. Uh, my phone went out when you brought up the do. Well, I think that was the dues you were talking about. But my phone kept going in and out, and I apologize. I pretty much oh. caught it, though. You were okay. Yeah, you were talking about. Uh, you, so you're good with the, yeah. you know, no questions for clarification or anything like oh, that. Oh no. Okay. No, I, All right, I, Dennis, do you have any I, uh, questions on that or comments? Uh, yeah, I have one comment. You know that uh, this has been going on for a long time, and uh, a lot of these people subsequently have issues with their credit service. They were temporary workers, say, yeah. for instance, starting in 1995 and, and worked for five years in the plan as a temp, and their accredited service wasn't attributed to that 1995 date. So, you know, there's just other issues that are associated with that temporary dues thing, and if we stuck by the Constitution, as we've discussed in the past, and said, this is the way it is, General Motors, Ford, Chrysler, IPS, Tops, whoever. This is the way it is. You cannot have a temporary worker in there more than 90 days. Period. And I support that 100%. It's a member. It's in the Constitution. It's in the Constitution. Yeah, and no, it's the consecutive months. Period. That's it. Right. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Period. Ends. Yeah. We on the so, same page. Yeah. Yeah, it, well, we, we live by the Constitution around here. Uh, some aren't going to like it when we get there, I'll tell you. But we gotta, Jeff, do you have any comments or questions on that matter? No, I don't. Thank you, Jeff. I uh, know we're getting long here. We're almost a couple hours, and the show only goes two hours, so we've got about 14 minutes left, and we'll wrap it up now, though. But uh, uh, this has been a long uh, radio show for everybody. We had a lot of information out there for you. Uh, we hope you appreciate that. You're, you're beginning to see the team, uh, and we got some really, really good people on our team, some that aren't going to be running for office, but they support us nonetheless, and we thank all of them. Uh, I want to especially thank the sister yeah. that uh, brought this part-time temporary issue, uh, dues issue, to my attention even more than what I it had been in the past. Uh, she brought it to my attention, and I must say, without her help and the help of another uh, gentleman, brother of ours, uh, uh, I could not have done that. You know, they brought it to my attention, and I, as soon as it came to my attention, I looked at the Constitution, and I knew this math was behind it. You see, there's federal law that drives a lot of this stuff in our Constitution, that we can't have two classes. 
By the way, that no no two classes protected under the United States Constitution, and uh, that was for government, and it's morphed into the private sector by and through case law that we have, and we'll get our attorneys to do all that for us when we get there, but we're aware of it. I am, and others are. But that also affects the the tiers that are ongoing that they created in 2007. And those are going to be reversed by federal court or by contract. You take your pick. You can do it the easy way or the hard way. You can go out and spend several hundred million dollars fighting us for it, corporation. We know you're listening, General Motors, because you're number three and five spot in our listener list. Okay? So pay attention to this when we tell you this. The tears are going away because we're going to enforce, as required by the UAW Constitution, we're going to enforce the laws of the land. Okay, we're going to enforce them. Okay, and when we enforce those, we're going to enforce that part of the law that does not allow you or anybody else, corporations or government entities, to have a second class and have tiers of people doing the same work in the, under the same status, making different money. That is going away. Now, you all can figure this out right now, okay, and decide to just go ahead and work with us and get corrected because it's about a quarter billion dollars to pay everybody in each of the Detroit three, Detroit 3 entities. Or you can go ahead and spend that same amount of money fight us in court. Because if I have to, I'll legal clerk the whole thing myself. And you've already seen what I can do. Yeah, we know you're watching General Motors, Ford and Chrysler. You already seen the legal venue. I don't have to put my name at the bottom of the page. Other people can do that. And that's happened a lot. But I'll tell you this. We got people around us. Sharon's paralegal. Yeah, Our sister, the other sister that was out here, she's she's got a, a bachelor's in legal studies. Okay, we will, we will enforce the federal law to protect our membership, and we're going to deal with tears. They're going away. Other people said, Ah, no more tears. We have a plan. We have a plan, and we're going to do it, okay? What? So whether it's uh, uh, the the uh, dues dollars that we have to do internally or whether it's the tiers, we're going to make sure there are no second classes within our agreements anywhere, anywhere in the enforcement of it. So having said that, all right, I'm going to go around the room and ask everybody one at a time if you have any comments or uh, questions on any issue out there. Jeff, we'll start with you because you've got seniority whiskers on the show. <laughs> no, I'm good, Leroy. You did a good job. Okay, we got to have a little good fun job. with it. <laughs> All right, Sharon Bell, got any questions or comments about anything? Well, the only thing I just want to make sure everybody know, and I have to do this, uh, I'm just a legal assistant, I don't advise people in the law. So, And the other thing is we gonna, I'm going to 
agree. We're going to stick with the Constitution. We support the Constitution. We support uh, change for good for good reasons. If anything is working against this membership to quality of life, higher wages, then that's not supporting the Constitution. So if we have problems in that area, which we do, we have a right as a union member to improve it. And that's what I'm interested with my team in doing, getting the quality of life, quality of wages up, hours down, uh, the Constitution upheld, the UAW Constitution and bylaws upheld. And right now, in closing with that, it's time to get engaged in your union issues or sit at home and keep getting what you got. That's the bottom line. Okay? But that's it. Okay, Sharon, thank you. I just want to also reiterate what she said. None of us represent anybody inside the law. Uh, So while we're very knowledgeable and may represent ourselves, uh, we may not put our name on the bottom, like I said. Uh, I'll I'll do a lot of writing, uh, but when it comes time, if it's an actual legal document, an attorney does that. And I always refer anybody that needs legal assistance to an attorney. That doesn't mean we don't have the knowledge and the wherewithal that nobody's going to pull no wool over our eyes because we know the law. Nobody's going to pull wool over our eyes, and we're going to go and research it, and if we have to write the documents for the legal team, we'll do it. But the legal team will have their name on the bottom of it because they are the attorneys that are authorized to represent people or entities. And so uh, I don't want uh, Sharon to sell herself short. She's pretty sharp here, but uh, it's well, true. We yeah, but I have to go rep- on another. record making sure that I don't give that. That's I know. part of I know. the ethic of the legal assistant. Most paralegals, you know, the lawyers be lost without the paralegal. You know that. So. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I, I'm going to do some research now. I'm a tough research person, you, and I'm a tough activist. And I'm in the community. I'm not ashamed of it because we're encouraged to be involved in politics and to be involved in gay and our quality of life. That's why the country is in an uproar now because many of us didn't vote, didn't get engaged. I'm engaged. I have no reason to be afraid of that. Get engaged. Get engaged. There you go. Okay, thanks, Sharon. Uh, Dennis, you have any comments or questions? Anything, anything. Think about your brother down there about today, too. I just want to say amen, Sister Sharon. Uh, you're right on target with all that. And, uh, you know, if, if if you want to sit on the sidelines, accept what, 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 what's happening to you, then, then that's on you. But if you want to get engaged and uh, support us and, and uh advocate positive change, you know, you can change your, your, your place in life. You know, we're going to help you do that. Okay. Uh, all right. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, we are going to help the members do it. And, uh, you know, it's not going to just affect our members. It's going to help the rest of the country, too, because as our ship rises in That's the water, exactly 
we're going to bring everybody with us. Okay, and we got some that's plans. Right. You Lee Wright too. You know, uh, that's that's one of the other things that uh, attract, attracted me to working for a living organization is, is that you've advocated a total labor movement, not just you know uh, UAW or whatever. You know, you want to. Uh, work with the Teamsters and the AFL-CIO and whoever else wants to come to the table and because that's what we need, to, we need to do in this country. It has to be a total labor movement that we can't right. do it by ourselves. I have a but lot of friends. To focus on two we want to two out of sure the last three building trips in the state of Michigan are personal friends of mine. So, uh, that, you know, we work with them already. Sorry, Sharon, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to make sure I reiterate now that we want to build this UAW to the highest level because our jobs and our livelihoods, our future is tied to it. So I want to, we're going to work with everyone because that's what the union does. But the UAW, I have to stand up. I, I stand in crowds yelling that. So I'm going to say, UAW, solidarity, let's let's make it happen. Get engaged. There you go. There you go. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, Thank you, Leroy. I appreciate that very much. I do. You know, it's nice to get that that feedback from the top of the the team here. So uh, uh, much appreciated. Uh, I I don't want to be remiss. And say once again to our uh, uh, newly uh, installed uh, brother president at local 1112 today, uh, we wish you, Dennis or David Green, we wish you the very best in your service to the membership there, and we look forward to working with you on all manners affecting our membership in a positive way. So, uh, congratulations to. President David Green on his, his election and his installation today. So that's all I had to say. Uh, having said that, thanks to all of our friends around the world that are listening. Thanks to our friends in Canada and in Mexico that are listening. Thanks to each and every person working for a living in our country. And especially thank you, listeners of the UAW, for sticking with us this long show here. we got about... 90 seconds left here, so I uh, have a two-hour show, and that's about all we can actually log in. But thank you so very much for listening. If you found value, if you found value in this, please tell your uh, friends, tell one other person, tell a half a dozen other per- people, and tell them that you need change in the union and the leadership. The institution's good, but leadership change needs to occur. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week for an abbreviated show. Everybody be back the following first week in June. Thank you and good night, everybody. Good night, team. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.